Hi. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. How have you been? How before we before we dive into to talking about your extraordinary work, how has this whole situation treated you? Have you found it a have you found a creative flow, or how's it been? Well, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah. Um, it started out weird, and it it's kind of still weird, but um, <laughs> now it feels like it's been a long time. Um, I mean, my working life is mostly me sitting in a room on my own anyway, so it's it's kind of not that different. But um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I think it's there's a sort of low grade anxiety all the time, isn't there? Mm. And um, yeah, I don't know. Have you time. have you found it inspiring in a way to almost write, react into how you're feeling through this? Well, I, I, in a way, I think because there's there's much less happening, mm -hmm. uh, you do get a different kind of concentration. You get a different kind of quality of time. But uh, at the same time, there's a lot of kind of worry and trouble in the world, isn't there? And yeah. um, that sort of weighs quite heavily on the soul, I think. So, yeah, it's it's just an odd time, I think. Yeah. Well, it seems incredible that this beautiful piece of work that you've you've released, Voices, um, it is coming now. Considering that it's been a ten-year project, but the the resonance of what the, the the voice and the music is saying is so so important and so relevant and needed right now. Can we go back though and talk about what it was 10 years ago that kind of inspired and kick-started the whole idea to to do this project? Yeah well um, I guess I just I sort of got a sense that um, a lot of the our kind of certainties and a lot of our feeling for like how the world was developing and our sort of ideas of progress suddenly started to kind of go into reverse mm. and um yeah over the last 10 years we've seen more and more of that you know sort of social and political changes the rise of populism authoritarian politics the rise of the populist right environmental pressures uh you know all kinds of social pressures technology all kinds of stuff um but i, I mean the real catalyzing event in in for the for the the starting of, uh, of voices was uh, the events of Guantanamo, and I felt like we'd kind of lost something of ourselves at that time. And um, so I wrote this this little piece, Mercy, which is at the end of the record, as a kind of way to try and figure out for myself what was going on. And when you say you wrote this piece, do you sit down at the piano and it's a case of? your feelings you know almost kind of kind of how, how does that process work or how did that specific song yeah I mean uh, yeah I, I I write either at the piano or or, or just you know on a, on a piece of paper mm -hmm. um and I guess I mean music is a feeling thing isn't it it's an emotional thing and um yeah mercy was and is a kind of a place to to try and understand for me to try and understand what's happening really um, and you know I'm a composer, so I I sort of do my thinking in music. Um, it's just my sort of natural language, really. Well, I think there's a, a wonderful way that music can can say much more than words can. Sometimes, you know, I think that that's the that's the power of it in a way. Yeah. But when yeah. you get that combination right in terms of of 
the music and the the lyrical content being you know they, they can have a powerful message and i know that you you know you talk about music as as activism um, yeah. and and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and when for you as a music fan it became apparent that music had that particular power yeah um i guess it's um i guess that sort of activist strain in music is is, is present in lots of different musical traditions uh you know in, in classical music we have you know beethoven nine and fidelio and and um you know the penderecki threnody for the victims of hiroshima and loads of other sort of activist works and then in in kind of popular music um and folk music you know there's the sort of folk music of the early 60s woody guthrie early dylan mm -hmm. um and then of course punk you know punk is fundamentally sort of socially socially engaged sort of activist music and all those things kind of struck me in their different ways um when i was you know when i was growing up and became aware of them so i've always thought that you know creativity is a is also a place to have conversations about um you know, about the world and about what's going on you know I, I mean i think that's that's a really that's a very natural thing for creativity to do yeah and when you when you were thinking about you know voices and you, you had this piece mercy and did you think about a, a bigger project and about that bigger project you know be, being a way to um to you know to engage with an audience in in a way that we've just spoken about about it about having a purpose and having something to say and to ask questions make people ask questions make people think yeah yeah sure i mean over, over that sort of 10 year period you know having written mercy then uh yulia and i yulia is my my partner and uh, filmmaker and maker actually of, of the videos for the, the project and uh we, you know we started talking about making a bigger piece um which would look at um yeah what's happening you know mm. And uh, uh, address, yeah, what you know, what we've lost, you know, the world, the world we've made, and the world we want to make. Um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, that 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 question, in a way, drove the writing of the piece. Um, how did it take ten years? <laughs> you've just been so busy. I mean, you well, you know, when you look at everything that you've done in the past ten years, you're going. Oh yeah, he's 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 done quite a lot in the last ten years. Well, well, what it is is that I I um I just work on projects until I until it kind of stops happening, mm -hmm. and then I move on to the next thing. And you know, over those ten years, I've written you know a load of other records. I wrote Sleep, a bunch of movie scores and TV, and um, but a project like Voices is something which. It just sort of has to feel right until it, you know, and and it's not ready until it all feels right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it took a long time. And actually, a lot of the music for Voices was was kind of thrown away. Um, really? Yeah, it's always like that. I think. It's I mean, like, when you say it thrown away, I hope it's in a folder somewhere that you can then. It is, is it... in kind of compost heap of <laughs> manuscript paper and tapes and stuff um yeah it's like i always think the finished the finished thing is is like that little bit of the iceberg that's above the sea you know and the rest mm -hmm. of it is underneath all that other stuff so um yeah i mean it, it it did take a while to find kind of the right shape for it i guess it's also that thing as well where it's you know you you're 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 almost like a sculpture in a way where you're kind of you're you do a bit then you leave it and you kind of it's almost calling you back in a way yeah 
Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it, it's very, it's weird. I mean, composing is a strange sort of mix between kind of very cerebral things and also completely intuitive and experimental things. And you never really know what a thing is until you've made it. And, and the writing is actually discovering what it is you're writing. That's kind of what, what's happening. So yeah, it, it takes time. And I guess as well, this is a, you know, with all the different things that you do, there's no deadline for this. You know, it's not like you're working on yeah. a film or a TV score where you go, we need, we need, you know, we need this by this point sort of thing. So that's a, I guess it can be a luxury, but it can also, well, I don't know, you tell me, do you like that element of going, it needs to be done by this point? Um, I, I kind of feel like I need both in my life, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate that the deadline, you know, of, of doing movies and TV and, and collaborative things. I, I really like that um, because it sort of keeps you very focused and then you, you know, you're, you sort of, you're in a groove with something and you just kind of keep going. Um, other things, uh, you know, the solo projects, I mean, I, I always feel like they're just ready when they're ready, you know, and sometimes they do take a long time. And I'd rather, I'd rather sort of not release something um, you know, if it isn't ready, um, I'd rather just sort of wait till it is. I'm a great believer in fate and things happening for, for a reason. And I think that, you know, almost the fact that this project did take however long and we are, you know, it's been sort of gifted to us now is, is more, more in need of it now than ever. I think it's come at the right time. Um, the creation of it as well. And we talk a little bit about the, the upside down orchestra and also the, the voices that you've used because yeah. You know, that, that in itself is an, is an incredible story. Um, but let, let's start with the Upside Down Orchestra and the idea of, of that as well. Yeah. What, what, why that idea? Yeah, well, I mean, that came really out of a conversation about, you know, I think a lot of us have this feeling that our world's been turned upside down in the last 10 years or so. You know, all sorts of certainties that, you know, we sort of come to rely on as just kind of part of the world. Suddenly, well, they, they just don't look so solid and all kinds of things are evaporating in front of our eyes. And, so I wanted to try and use this idea of the world upside down as a kind of metaphor, sort of an embed that in the orchestra, in the music itself. So mm. I flipped the orchestra upside down in terms of its proportions. So it's almost all bass instruments. It's, um, it's uh, just loads of basses, loads of cellos, and just a few upper strings. Um, so it's a kind of really dark sounding ensemble. It's, a really, it's got a really dark sort of uh, sonic fingerprint. Um, and I wanted to try and make something um, uplifting and kind of luminous out of that dark material. So, um, yeah, it's this sort of metaphor for trying to, well, you know, the world we live in now, right? I mean, we, you know, we're living in kind of in dark times. And um, it's about what we do with that, you know, where do we go next? Did that involve a different approach to your writing at all then in terms of, you know, it focusing on that that side of the orchestra um cello um, something cello something i've really kind of become slightly obsessed with um particularly after speaking to hilda goodnutier about the whole creation of joker and stuff as well and how the physicality of that yeah um yeah yeah i mean working with that, that ensemble was a it was a sort of um yeah it's like a compositional challenge you know um mm -hmm. trying to get all the colors out of just those you know quite uh, quite reduced kind of elements, although a lot of them, you know, I mean, it's a big band, it's a 70 piece band. Um, I think 
every piece has its own sort of, it finds its own shape, it finds its own color. Mm-hmm. And that instrumentation just felt, um, it felt really authentic to the kind of world of the music. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I've, I really enjoyed working with that ensemble, actually. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And then the idea and the notion that you were going to add voices to it. And, and where did that idea come from in the kind of, you know, the inspiration of that uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights from 1948 and Ele- Eleanor Roosevelt and her voice featuring on it as well? Where did that idea come from? And then also, you know, kind of almost asking out to the world for, yeah. you know, for, for them to get involved, really. Yeah. Well, um, right at the beginning of Writing Voices, um, there, there, there wasn't a declaration. And it was a kind of quite an angry piece of protest music. Um, and I worked with that for a long time. And then I just couldn't really get anywhere with it. And I just felt like, uh, you know, our world is, is getting more and more sort of shouty. It's, you know, there's not a lot of listening and a lot of shouting going on. And I, didn't, I felt like I was sort of adding to that. I didn't really want to add to that. Um, so I looked around for something kind of positive, something more... Uh, something inspiring and the declaration is an amazing text and it is a really inspiring text you know it comes out of the second world war Mm. Eleanor Roosevelt um, gets this group of you know philosophers artists thinkers together and they draft this text which is a kind of blueprint for a better world it's an amazing amazing thing so I thought I'll put the declaration into the middle of the piece and I came across this recording of Eleanor Roosevelt reading it in 1949 so um that's too good not to use it. Wow. So uh, she starts the record. And then I wanted a young voice to read the main articles of the declaration. And I'd seen If Beale Street Could Talk, which uh, Kiki Lane um, really sort of carries that film with her narration. And I loved her voice. And I thought, you know, it's a very young voice. It's a voice about the future. And it has a real softness. Um, and she feels like she's talking just to you. So I wanted that voice in the record. Um, And uh, so Kiki did the reading and that was great. And then we crowdsourced uh, readings, you know, just from around the world um, of people uh, reading the declaration in their own languages. And um, yeah, that was was fantastic to be able to incorporate those. Did you Um, just put out an ask then for people to? Yeah, yeah, I I wanted to just try and, of embed the democratic principles of the declaration really into the piece itself so to kind of open the piece up to other voices so we've got hundreds of recordings and and um it was amazing actually it's really like a it's a testament to you know how much this text means to people yeah um and uh, yeah it was very beautiful working with those voices do you know how many um languages and countries you have included in the record? I think there's about 70 languages, uh, roughly. Um, but, I mean, you know, we got, we got uh, submissions from all over the place. It's fantastic. That must have been the hardest bit, almost, if you, you know, kind of working out which ones to use, really. It's like... Well, because um, I don't speak almost... I speak almost none of those languages. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> related, I was sort of relating to them really just as, as sound objects, which yeah. was really, really... It was really beautiful. Um, yeah. So I, was, I felt like I was sort of like a sculptor, you know, just sort of yeah. assembling this sort of sonic landscape for the music to just then flow through. Um, really, really lovely, actually. 
Well, yeah. it's that thing. Languages do have a certain melody to them, don't, and rhythm, and so it's it's um, yeah, it's beautiful. I was listening to some traditional Welsh speaking the other day, right, uh, on a recording, and it was just it was almost like a lullaby. You know, I have no idea what they were saying, but yeah, this but kind of such a beautiful language, isn't it? It was so extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and is. and that's another layer of emotional connection, I think, as well. That that you know, add, added to the, the 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 connection that you have through the music, through also mm. through, um, through Kiki's delivery as well, mm. but also with these voices. Each one just kind of, it's almost kind of like, come on, this yeah. way stuff. It's Honestly, lovely. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think that sense of community, which is, you know, one of the big things that the declaration is all about. And and one of the yeah arguably one of the big things that that we've sort of you know lost sight of in recent yeah. years, um, having those voices on the record really just foregrounds that whole that whole question. And did you have to had you you know in terms of you have this that you have the music and you have the the voices had, was the music kind of was it finished uh, and then or or did you were you constantly you know sort of molding and navigating the finished article really for each track on the record yeah. by using the, the different voices. Yeah, I mean, I think everything kind of affects everything at a certain point. You know, the music had sort of got quite a long way and then I started putting it all together. And then, yeah, you just start um, making tiny changes and then you have to change kind of everything else, you know, <laughs> and it's just kind yeah. of one little thing that's like, oh no. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's sort of a process of, it's like a voyage, a voyage of discovery into a, you know, somewhere you've never been. Um, yeah. that's, what, that's what's so nice about making new projects, actually, you know, just having that sense of sort of stepping out into a place you haven't been to and exploring it. I love as well how when you, you know, as a, as an artist, you, you put all this emotion and, and work into, to creating these fabulous things but then once they're released they don't really belong to you anymore yeah you know they belong to the people who who listen to them who um react to them in the way that they want to react to them you know the emotional connection they find with it sort of thing but yeah. is is there a is there something that you hope that people get from from voices that you would love to to hear the type of reaction that it was getting from people well you know i mean this project is all about the text for me um, and really what I wanted to do is to just try and present the text in a kind of really direct way. And I see the music as kind of a place to think about the text. You know, so we hear the words and then we have an opportunity to kind of reflect on them. Yeah. And I think if people encounter that text and have a chance to reflect on it a bit, then, then I'm happy. You know, that's, that's it. Done. <laughs> I mean, there's opening words, do you know what I mean, in terms of the, the resonance that they have. You know, particularly in the last few months is what's been going on in the world. Yeah. You know, all, all yeah. human beings are born free and equal of dignity and right. It's it's all, you know, it makes makes the hairs on my arm stand and then just saying yeah. the words, you know, it's yeah. kind of they're incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely to see and hear music that that has been created with the want to have a purpose, to have a reaction um, with people. I imagine that the that the dream would have been to be out playing this live maybe as well. Yeah, we had loads of shows all over the world. <laughs> like everyone. Damn you, Corona. Everything's cancelled, <laughs> you know. 
I mean, we were super lucky in that we did get a chance to play it a couple of times at the barbecue. In February, yeah. In early February, right before the lockdown. Um, so, so that was that was great, you know, and it's a privilege to have been able to do that. And um, and also, you know, you learn so much from playing it. Um, and yeah, it was you know a really magical experience. Um, never felt a vibe like that in a concert hall. Really? Great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That's lovely getting that that back from the audience. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Um, I love as well how you you you're not just a when when it's with your solo work, it's not just a, even actually with all your work because it's that great thing where you know a piece of music might be used in a in a film and then um, I remember speaking to Joe, the director Joe Wright and um, yeah. and he um, he talked about how he went to see Arrival and 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 heard that incredible piece of music used there. And he was so angry because he was like, no, it's my piece of music. I want to use that in a film. But I love how your music has this journey where it, it, it kind of never stops evolving, whether it's a, a, you know, a piece that's used in a number of films. But with this, it feels like there's a journey that, that this, this album can take. And I know that you've got ideas about um, and plans to take it further to, uh, 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 you know, we've got this wonderful video that we're going to see in a bit as well um, for mm. all human beings, but there's an idea to, for it to be a, an entire visual um, album. Is that the plan? That's right, yeah. I mean, Yulia and I have been, you know, for, for quite some time, been thinking about, you know, making this piece as a kind of music and film project. And yeah. that's been a conversation really from the start. So, I mean, the two films that, that Yulia's made so far are kind of little fragments for for this kind of bigger uh, full-length film. So yeah, it's um, pretty do you Do you talk about that visual element in terms of how you see it, or do you very much rely on our interpretation of it? Or is it a kind of collaboration? Well, um, it is, I mean, it's, you know, she's a filmmaker, I'm a composer, um, but I mean, we've been talking over the kitchen table about pretty much everything we do for <laughs> 25 years. So yeah. quite difficult to, to sort of say, well, this is where the work is and this is where the life is, you know, yeah. it's, they are one and the same. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, voices is the outcome of, you know, years and years of chatting in a way, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> what a lovely gift to give each other. Sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Very lucky. very lucky. So is the, is the um, so when you talk of a visual album, how do you see that as a whole thing? And um, because we recently, I don't know if you've had a chance to to watch Beyonce's visual album, um, Black is King, which is just extraordinary. Yeah. That idea of it being a story, of it being a narrative, of it having a lot to say. We'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, it's still quite early days. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it's all gonna, going to come together have you been um was all this recorded and kind of done before lockdown started because obviously you've been back playing in february and stuff so i assume that it was all you know kind of well we recorded it right after the shows so you know we, we had those two gigs um oh, and then wow. we straight into the studio so we literally finished recording like three or four days before the lock i mean it was you know really right before lockdown and then we mixed at the very beginning of lockdown. So really lucky to be able to get this thing done because I mean, had we not done it then, I mean, who next time you're gonna be able to get 70 people in a recording studio is, you know, I mean, it's gonna be months or years. Yeah, I've Hopefully seen a few. Months, yeah. 
yeah. seen a few pictures of of a of a smaller orchestra going into to air studios with their masks on and stuff. You know, being yeah. I mean, you can space of, them out, but you know, yeah. You don't get that reverberation of everybody being. Yeah. I've seen those rooms so packed. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, yeah. the bows are almost touching each other, and it's just it's yeah. so amazing. Yeah, and I mean, this is twenty-four cellos, which you know, that's a lot of cellos. <laughs> that's a lot of width. Twenty-four cellos. Yeah, totally. Um, but talking about you know the kind of evolution of of your projects, um, you know, it's five years since Sleep was released, yeah. and that kind of went from a piece of music, uh, you know, collection of music to to this uh, almost like live installation, mm -hmm. uh, and then now you've you've released uh, the app, which is yeah. is, I mean, I think everybody's having problems sleeping at the minute as well. So it's, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> has this been this has been something you've wanted to do for a while though, and um, from what I've read in terms of how you've talked about it. Yeah, I mean, the app is. Um, I mean, sleep is a piece of music um, with a kind of strong utility sort of dimension it's it's a piece of music you know as a tool it's it's for people to use in their lives to find you know a pause or a place to rest or or in fact to sleep um it's a sort of in, a creative inquiry into that that condition and um i wanted to try and uh, extend the kind of the personal aspect of that um and the guys who are developing the app came up with this idea to um, basically you can set a, a length for the piece. You know, normally it's mm -hmm. eight, eight and a half hours long. Um, but within the app, it's got all these kind of clever algorithms, which, which actually make a kind of musically satisfying architecture, but more or less at any length, which is amazing. Wow. Uh, so it sort of extends that utility dimension into into a kind of a personal one which i think is fantastic have you um, used it hmm? have oh, well, you I, used it the thing is i can't <laughs> sleep with music on can you not I literally, I literally can't i'm a really good sleeper but the only thing that you know it's just because i'm if there's music playing that i'm kind of you're at work yeah i am so. that's hilarious but yeah i love that it's um i, I hope you don't mind I just wanted to talk a little bit about you know composing for for tv and and film yeah. Because do you, is, is it a different process, you know, in terms of how we talk about with voices and it, it, being, yeah. a, it being an emotional thing and the connection stuff. It, with, with film and TV, I, there's still going to be an emotional connection there for you in terms of you finding the story you want to tell with the music. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Uh, the process is very, it's very different um, because when you're composing just, you know, blank sheet of paper composing, there there sort of aren't any boundaries and you're really just sort of following the material and trying to mm -hmm. discover it in a way. Whereas with uh, with a movie or, or a TV show, there is, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. It exists. There's a world. And um, really the job is to try and figure out what sort of music feels inevitable to that world, you know, feels like it belongs there and what it can bring that the other elements you know, aren't bringing or, you know, it, it, so it's like puzzle solving in a way. Um, so it's still composing, it is, but it's very, very different. And it's very much, um, yeah, it's very much like a team thing. You know, it's a really conversational process. Yeah. Collaborative process. For, for things like um, the Mary Queen of Scots um, 
score that I loved so great <laughs> and that idea that there's I mean for obvious reasons but um but the the idea that there's a landscape there that you know I guess those are the kind of boundaries but also sort of pushing those boundaries to one side in a way not being kind of complacent or predictable within the world of a period piece about a regal you know uh character sort of thing but yeah. also it's it's such a fine line isn't it because you also want to kind of explore that and you want to celebrate yeah. that as yeah. well um was was that yeah. kind of a fun one to play with because i think the end result was was, was really great no, it was really fun. I mean, Josie's a fantastic filmmaker and, you know, Margot and Saoirse, I mean, they're just, you know, they're incredible. Um, so, yeah, it was really fun, really, really fun. Um, and there are a lot of kind of properties inherent in that world already, in a way, you know, like the landscape, the light, um, I guess, you know, the feeling of sort of period music and all those kinds of, there were like lots of touch points already. And then it was about trying to figure out um what the music should really do mm. um and i felt like uh what i wanted to end up doing with the, with the with the music was to kind of um embody the queen's voices the women's voices because yeah. they were actually even though they were you know the king <laughs> they were the queen of england and, and and scotland they were they were sort of in a way passengers in their own lives in this sort of male world yeah so yeah. Um, there's all sorts of things in the music which try to sort of convey their sense of, um, I guess, a kind of agency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky and honoured to um, spend a bit of time with Thelma Schoonmaker, Martin Scorsese's editor. Amazing. And it was incredible to hear her talk about how important um, On the Nature of Daylight was right. around the editing of that entire film, Shutter Island. Right. Um, it was, yeah, it was amazing, actually, just in terms of how it was almost like kind of the, a, a, a key almost to a, to a kind of wow. a door for her and, and, and Marty when they were putting that film together. When people come to you and ask you, oh, you know, can I use this and this sort of thing? Is it, I guess it's a case by case basis in terms of yeah. when you say yes to things. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you'll... You just need to i mean I, I just like to understand what the what the project is uh you know what it's about and and the kind of frame of reference really what the, you know the the scenes that the music are on and, and uh, is on and and that 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 sort of thing yeah i mean it, it it's important yeah do you like um did you go and see arrival at the cinema as well yeah i did actually yeah mm. how did you because i mean that the the emotion that that your piece of music kind of it almost kind of sets a, I don't know what it does. It's it's like, a, it's so powerful. You talk about motion, music being emotional. But for you watching that film with your piece of music, what's your emotion watching that? Well, when I go, go to cinema, I'm just going, you know, I'm going to the movie like like anyone does. You mm -hmm. know, so I'm, I'm just trying to watch the film, uh, whether it's sort of my music or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it is a, it's a, Beautiful film and and you know Johan's score is fantastic yeah. too. So I mean there are lots of there are lots of great elements in that in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Trying to try. Oh no, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, trying to slightly just remove yourself from it when you're mm. fully involved in it as well. Mm. What about in terms of because you you work across so many different um, elements of music, be it you know the TV and the film composing, your own. 
um, projects and records, and then uh, you know other sides of the, the of culture and the world of of, of art in Bali, and uh, and you've written a, a new Bali um, called I'm going to get the name wrong Mad Adam. Mad Adam. I, I wasn't sure it was Mad Adam. Mad Ad, uh, yeah, I can't even say. There's too many D's in it for me. Mad it's Adam. Lovely. There's a lot of D's in it, yeah. yeah. Which is this new ballet from Wayne McGregor. Um, mm. But is it is it been inspired by Margaret Atwood? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. It's a it's a trilogy of novels uh, by Margaret Atwood, um, all about a kind of a it's a dystopian story, as as a lot of her work is, and it's actually about a sort of pandemic, bizarrely. So, um, you know, as ever, she kind of, you know, reads the head of the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something I'm, I'm working on um, right now. I mean, we we were planning to do that this year, but obviously with, the, with COVID, I mean, it's all been pushed back. It's been pushed back about a year, something mm -hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, a lot of 21 will be, will be spent on that, I think. How do you write a ballet? <laughs> well, I love the ballet, actually. I really love, um, I love dance. And um, it's mostly because I know, kind of don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, it's really nice to be in a creative world that you just have no idea what's going on. So I come at it in this sort of quite, um, you know, I'm just always amazed by what's happening. And obviously, you know, the Royal Ballet, I mean, they're, they're incredible. Wayne is, I mean, he's an absolutely extraordinary uh, creative mind and a wonderful collaborator. And we've done a lot of things together. So it's always really fun. Um, and how, how do I write a ballet? Um, I, I don't really know, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, the thing about all of these sorts of uh, creative things, I mean, they are, they are just experiments you know and just sort of trying stuff and eventually some kind of material just starts to feel like it has a gravitational pull around it and then other things happen and then it grows you know and it's a little bit like you, you hear novelists say this that suddenly their characters are starting to do things that they weren't expecting them to do yeah. and and I think music can do that you know and that's a good thing when that starts to happen and you feel it like you just want to follow it. Yeah, but um, but, but I guess that you know, kind of Wayne's got to, um, you know, he's got to to choreograph this this beautiful um, dance to mm. your music, and you know, but it, is it a kind of constant two way thing of? Yeah, it's very conversational. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's just sort of material coming back and forth. You know? I'm sending you videos of him dancing and things like that. Yeah, they just uh, they do rehearsal videos. Of, you know, That's great. Yeah, it's cool. Amazing. I will. Be, I can't wait for that one. Um, I I wanted to talk to you about being a music fan, and you know you talk about you can't listen to music when you go to sleep because it feels too much like work. But can you, you know, you enjoy music. You enjoy listening to music. Really? But what 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 have you? What has lockdown been encouraging you to to listen to? What what's been on your your playlists and what have you levitated towards? Yeah, a lot of different things, really. Um, I mean, I always have the radio on one way or another in the kitchen. So there's always something playing. And what it, radio? What kind of it'd radio? Be either, it'll either be Six Music, Radio 3 or NTS. And they huh? just all just kind of, you know, whatever. 
Um, so there'll always be some kind of sound happening in the kitchen. Um, and you just walk in and just discover things. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I've just been, yeah, it's a bit haphazard, my listening at the moment. Uh, a lot of electronic music, um, mm -hmm. sort of quite um, electronic music from kind of New York and Berlin mostly at the moment. Um, uh, House of Alter comp compilations, those are, mm -hmm. those are great. Um, bits and bobs of sort of Berlin techno. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of Renaissance music, classical music. Um, that's always, always Renaissance music. I listen to a lot of that. Um, the new Dylan. It's great, isn't it? It's amazing. That ten-minute track. I can't remember what it's called. I can um, take attitudes or, oh, or the other murder most foul. Yeah, yeah, murder. That is, it's you know, yeah, talk I, about when we were talking about activism and music having a purpose. You know, for someone who obviously was very much, you know, the start with that the way that the folk world, you know, mm. protest songs and had a voice for all these these years later for something to to have as much power behind it as well i thought it was extraordinary it was yeah he was amazing yeah absolutely amazing mm. is that something that you'd like to do is to collaborate with artists in other genres of music so to speak you know with a dylan or with a you know that kind of thing <laughs> Collaborate with Bob Dylan. That would be that would be an interesting. I would love <laughs> to hear that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually really like working with people from sort of other musical, whatever we call yeah. it. You know, spaces. Yeah, it's, I hate using the word genre actually because, you know, I've got two boys and they don't they don't music in genre is not a thing for them. Yeah, I think it's quite century, isn't it? I think yeah, it's, it's healthy as well, I think. Yeah, it's great. I, and actually, that I think that's one of the sort of, if you like, side effects of streaming, you know, because people are just sort of, they just sort of navigate outside boxes, don't they? And I think that's great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really interested in, in that, you know, just working with people from all over. I, I enjoy it. And has it been work, has it been with this project with voices, using voices? Mm. Has that been a a really interesting sort of exploration as well in terms of you know of, of how that how that can really can take a project a completely different way or, or you know enhance things or yeah I mean I I think the human voice is there's something really fundamental about it you know we were all or, or most of us were you know sort of sung to when we were tiny babies and um, it has that it goes very deep you know it, it's very primal and it's a very direct way to to communicate, and um, yeah, I mean you can't you can't beat it really in a way. Um, it's an amazing thing, and um, you know, within because I work with you know mostly instrumental music. If I'm trying to talk about something, then yeah, I need I need somehow to say it, and yeah. uh, it's been brilliant having these you know being able to work with these texts and. Being able to put the declaration, you know, in and out yeah. in a sort of direct way. I mean, that's been great. It's um, it's funny you talking about the the idea with Bali, and you you kind of you love it, and you love how you you know you're you're not an expert on it. Um, although you know a lot more about it than I do. Um, but the idea that with directors, a lot of directors, film directors, will say that I know nothing about music. It's but I, and sometimes I don't know how to communicate uh with what it is that i want but it's mm -hmm. got to have a 
it's got to have a, a connection and an emotion. So you're almost like this translator in a way, aren't you, between yeah. the director and and what what they're looking for between their visuals and your, you know, your sonic brilliance. Well, that, that happens a lot. I mean, it is. I mean, it's hard to talk about music anyway, frankly. I mean, it is weird trying to. It's so personal because what you relate to might be totally different to how yeah. I do, and yeah. It's, it's also like it is sort of beyond words in a way. Music. It's yeah. a really mysterious thing, you know. So it's not surprising that it's tough for you know directors to kind of say, oh no, I want it, I want this, you know, because it's yeah. really hard for anyone to sort of say what this is, and um, yeah, it's an experimental process working on with with directors. You know, you just sort of have to try things, and then you start to get a kind of a sense of what the range is and what the, you know, where kind of roughly where you're going, and then it it, it sort of all starts to condense around a, a particular kind of a space, but. It is a process that it just takes a bit of time and it, it you just have to understand how to talk to one another about it. Yeah. And yeah, that can that can take a while. Finding that kind of flow with someone. Um yeah. I wanted to uh to to ask about the well, I, I I guess I'm I'm really missing watching live music, you know, and having yeah. that kind of physical um connection with mm. it. Um you know, you maybe can go into a to a theatre or a, or a room in mm. one mood and then spend in however long there. You come out almost like a completely different person in a way. Which yeah. Is, which yeah. is uh, extra. Have you been missing that experience as well? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, music is um, it's yeah, it's fundamentally a live thing, isn't it? It's a it's community. It's talking. It's a sort of connection. I mean, it's all those really basic human things, you know, and I really miss it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great loss, you know, and I, yeah. I, you know, I guess things like this, you know, online streaming performances and stuff. I mean, that's, that's great that people are doing that, but, you know, we need to get back to the real thing as soon as we can, really. Fingers crossed. Okay, listen, we've got lots of people uh, in the room, so to speak, with us. Max so let's get to there's a couple of people on chat actually you've put in questions so there's a oh, someone just Ian just wanted to thank you for helping him get through so many tough times in his life through your music by Callum Salisbury is Callum uh, in the room please can we have Callum and he's got a great question for you yeah um, first of all thank you very much for the Q&A so far it's been fantastic um I'd like to ask a question about infra because I wrote my dissertation on infra oh, yeah. and I'd kind of like to know if I was correct in what I wrote in it but you mentioned in a few interviews about Infra that you're influenced by Schubert's music. Yeah. Um, and a large feature of Schubert's work is the tonal structure and the tonal links between pieces, songs and movements. Yeah. In Infra, yeah. did you use the tonal structure of the work as a whole uh, to kind of create this intentional sense of floating and kind of being above the music and the dancing and having the music almost act as a platform from which to view other people's lives? Wow. Um... <laughs> That's that, a great question. I told you it was a good question. A dissertation type question. Um, How does it make you feel, first of all, knowing that someone's done their dissertation on your work? Yeah, that's quite alarming in a way. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, infra is, yeah, it is kind of populated by Schubert atoms. Um, there's lots of interviews in there. There's, there's um, one of the impromptus, the G-flat impromptus in there. And the tonal scheme of of infra is um yeah i i guess i mean 
in simple terms, I mean, infra is really about trying to, uh, it, it sort of inhabits the events of 7-7 in different ways, you know, from a kind of bird's eye perspective and then from a first person perspective. I mean, infra five is very much, you know, you're, you're sort of, well, there's like, there's running in it, there are sirens in it. It's very, you know, it's very kind of um, haptic. Um, and, and others are kind of, other, other of the sections are kind of more zoomed out. Um, and then the last piece in for eight is, is a kind of, um, is a kind of tiny little requiem in a way. Um, so yeah, the, the pieces do have sort of different relationships to the action. Is, is that what, kind of what you're asking? Yeah, in a way. Um, and also I think one of the things I, I noticed was kind of how in Infra 1, you touched on it a bit there, but in Infra 1, it kind of, it sort of lifts you up um, off of C. And yeah. I might be looking into this too much because I did find a quote for you saying, your music yeah. doesn't need to be analysed to be enjoyed, which I completely agree with. But um, the, it kind of holds you above the C for the full piece. And then Infra 8, as this requiem, eventually kind of brings you down bit by bit by bit until the very final chord, which has that C in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it does do that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so yeah. much, Callum. Uh, thank you. Thank you nice. very much. Well, How did you get on in your dissertation, by the way? I went very well, thank you. Yes, yeah, so thanks so much for that. <laughs> awesome. Good. Right. Glad to hear it. Uh, right, we've got Graham Farmer in the house, please. Got a great question Just to ask you about blue notebooks. It's actually not Graham. It's Graham's husband, Jake. Oh, okay. hey, Jake. Uh, what's your? Um, could you want to ask the question then, on behalf of? Yeah, I was really curious about how you came to work with Tilda Swinton um, on the Blue Notebooks and also what that experience was like. Um, yeah, I was, um, it was really luck. Um, I, I wanted someone to re re read the Kafka text for me and the, the Milos texts. And I just kind of thought, well, who in the, out of all the people in the world would I like to read this? And I thought, well, Tilda Swinton. I, I'd, at that time, I'd done really very, almost nothing. You know, I'd done some work with uh, various other people, you know, Future Sound of London and, and, and stuff, but on my own, I'd really just done Memory House, which was a record that almost nobody heard. And, um, uh, but, so I just basically cold, cold called her, her agent and just sort of, you know, did my little speech. And uh, fortunately, um, Tilda's, partner at the time, John Byrne, was one of the sort of 11 people who'd heard Memory House. So they knew Memory House and they're like, oh, it's this guy who's done Memory House. Yeah, sure. Oh, <laughs> so it's just this amazing bit of luck. And Tilda's, I mean, she's an amazing creative mind and, and uh, force of nature. So, and she's always up for, you know, doing, doing mad things. So, um, yeah, I just went up, up to her place and uh, we recorded it in an afternoon and, and had tea. And then I, I got back on the plane. It was, yeah. That's really fantastic to hear that story. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jay. You take care. Thank you. Thanks, Did you do a similar thing with Kiki for um, for voices as well? In terms of were you were you present with with her for the recording of? of no, I was in I was in Berlin and uh, we did it over the wire when she was yeah. in LA, I think. Yeah, but nice to be there in the, in you know in the yeah. room, so to speak, to, yeah. to kind of yeah. to no, feel you, that. Yeah, you have to. Mark, what is your question for Max, please? Mark, are you there? I'll give it another two seconds and then I shall ask Mark's question. He says, I'd like to ask Max about what he wants people to feel after hearing voices. I think it's an incredibly hopeful piece. 
It's great. I mean, I, I wanted Voices to be a hopeful piece because I think the declaration is about, it's about potential. It's about the world we haven't made yet. You know? mm. um, and um, I'm, really, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, just, I would just like people to have experienced the declaration. But yeah, just to kind of, for people to have, you know, encountered that text and spent time with it and spent time thinking about it. I mean, for me, that would be, that's great, you know? Um, uh, that would be a good outcome. Uh, I've got Jonathan Gray. Is Jonathan Gray in the room? Can we get Jonathan through? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to ask, um, during the current situation that we're all, we're all sharing right now, mm -hmm. um, do you think uh, you might start a new project that kind of encapsulates this global, you know, shared experience that we have right now? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sort of, in a way, still working on this one um, because there's there's kind of more music, and I'm sort of puzzling out how to how to put that into some kind of new shape. So I, I'm not really done with voices yet. Um, so that I guess that's kind of what I've been thinking about a little bit. Um, I guess the other thing I've been doing over the, over these weeks, well, it's months now, isn't it? Um, is I've been playing the piano a lot, which is great because I haven't played the piano, like I haven't practiced the piano for like 20 years. And I used to play a lot when I was younger. So it's nice to, it's just been really fun doing that. Um, so yeah. Can you still learn to play the piano even though you've learned, you've been playing it for so long? Well, you can, yeah, you can. It's funny. I mean, I was, I was, um, I was saying to my, cause my kids, you know, they hear me sort of playing on, and um, they're like, oh, that tune again. You know, it's like, well, I've been, <laughs> playing that, I've been playing that tune for forty years. You know, <laughs> I still haven't got it sorted. Still haven't got it exactly as I want it. So you know, eventually, eventually, I will. Got to hear it for a few more weeks. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for your, your question. Excellent. It's great to have you with us. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, uh, Nick Giola-Rua, are you there? What's your question <laughs> for Max? Uh, I was just wondering, now that you've kind of have the best-of album, will you do a best-of tour? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, any kind of touring would be nice at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see, you know. I, I mean, Voices is what I'm going to be playing for a while, you know, once we get back to playing. Um, but it's always nice to kind of revisit older things. And there's, there's a lot of music that, you know, I've never really played live. So yeah, we'll get around to everything one day. Alistair Perkins. Good evening, sir. I'm not sure why it says my name's Alistair. My name's Barnabas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, who's okay. Alistair? Hi, Barn <laughs> Barnabas is a lovely name. Uh, you should definitely celebrate that. It says Alistair Perkins twice as well. Um, anyway, what's your question, please, for Max? It's, well, I don't know, it's not really a question. I absolutely adore the piece of music. Um, it's more, I wouldn't say hope is the emotion that it fills me with. It's more of a, like a, a rage. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because we've had 50 years or however long it's been. Yeah. What have we been doing? Yeah. Why? I think, yeah, that's, that's sort of my feeling about it really, is that, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to make the piece is, like you said, you know, we, the declaration kind of 
solved most of our problems in a way, way back in 1948. And, um, you know, along the way, we've just, we've just lost sight of it. And um, it's in a, in a way not rocket science either. It's really common sense stuff. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's really one of the reasons I, I made the piece, you know, because I, you know, spent time with this text and just thought, well, this is great. And we, you know, we need to remind ourselves of it. I think yeah. that's the thing is that it's a it's it's something that you know uh, people need to be reminded of like you say yeah. and it's like it should you know it should almost be this should be law you know it's kind of yeah. it's not hard it's like can yeah. we all just follow this very simple but incredibly powerful and important you know prose yeah. and the world will be a much better place yeah yeah um, well, before, I, before I go giving it a listen earlier on there was a moment where I heard the most celloiest cello in my entire yeah. life. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, the recording is truly remarkable. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thanks for so the best. Thank you. Thanks, celloist cello. I like that. Um, David Warman. Hello, David Warman. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, Max. Um, you're a huge inspiration to me um, and my own compositional journey. Who have been your inspirations? Wow. Um, well, a lot, really. There's a lot of different composers. Um, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Renaissance music. I fell in love with Renaissance music uh, when I kind of, when I discovered it. A lot of the early electronic music, you know, that was, that was a real sort of light bulb moment for me. The early minimalists, uh, you know, sort of a, Reich, Glass, Riley, um, Julius Eastman, these sorts of characters, um, Averpert and the other Estonian composers. Um, yeah, you know, a lot. It's a lot. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Do play seasons for you? You know, the fact that you get to travel around the world or, you, you know, up until this happened, uh, you're able to travel around the world and play all over the world. And another certain places in the world that are inspirational to you as well um they are and they aren't mm -hmm. i love traveling and it's it's wonderful to meet people and it's wonderful to play live because you you learn so much about what you're doing you know from just putting it in front of people for real in real time and mm -hmm. it's a conversational thing isn't it a live performance and that, that's one of the things that's so lovely about it um the places are it's interesting in that in a way, when you're touring, in a way, every place is kind of the same place because you end up, you feel like your life is on the stage, you know, and yeah. that's, that becomes kind of your home. And it's sort of, it's briefly interrupted by a trip and then you're home again, which is on the stage. Yeah. So it is slightly weird, kind of your sense of place gets a bit muddled up. Yeah. But certainly, I mean, you know, I lived in Berlin a long time and that was, yeah, really influential, I think, you know, um, I, I love Berlin and um, yeah, I mean, I, lots of places. It's been a huge inspirational city for so many people, Berlin, isn't it? There's something about yeah. it that there's... Yeah, it's a real sort of, um, it's a sort of, uh, it's like living in a, a sort of science lab, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's got its dark side and it's kind of got a lot of history and a lot, a lot of stories kind of, you know, yeah. weaved into its framework. Mm. Um, Richard, we have you. I think it's Richard. Hello, Richard, are you there? So, my question is uh, Max, we went to the same school, Bedford Modern, and I just wanted to get a sense of um, 
what your experience was at school and um, what influence that had on your music? Um, well, I, I, was, um, I was quite miserable at school, to be honest. I was oh, no. very much a kind of outsider figure. Um, and I, I took refuge in music in a way. You know, the music department was a kind of, um, it was almost like a kind of safe space, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, that's one of the things I think that, um, that sort of propelled me to, to creative work, to music. You know, it was a sort of, um, yeah, it was like a, a kind of a, uh, yeah, like a refuge, you know, um, from what was going on around me, which I, I just wasn't enjoying. And uh, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Richard, for your question. Cheers. Thank you. Um, and we, we've got Kevin who just wants me to read his question. He says, you've mentioned uh, the early electronic influences a couple of times. Would Mark like to tell us which bands or groups, um, specifically Tangerine Dream, for example? Many thanks, Kevin Targety. Sure. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I love all, all the kind of early electronic music uh, stuff, obviously Tangerine Dream and, and, and sort of also the, those other bands which are using part of, part of the electronic language like Can and Noi and all of that stuff. But the thing that happened to me was I heard, when I was about 12 or 13, I heard Kraftwerk Autobahn on a, on a BBC documentary. I didn't know what it was and I had no way of knowing, you know, finding out. Mm -hmm. I heard the, um, you know, it starts with that, in, that incredible bass line when the filter just slowly opens up on it. And it's like my world changed, you know, instantly in those sort of 10 seconds or whatever it was. And I wrote to the BBC and, you know, weeks later I got a letter back saying, yes, it's Kraftwerk Autobahn. And I was just, that was it for me, you know. And, um, yeah, that it, it, it all started from there, really. How old were you? I think I would have been about 13, 12, 13, that kind of age. Something wow. like that. Yeah. Amazing. Do you still get a real kind of sense of of emotional attachment when you hear it now? Yeah, it's awesome. It's, yeah. a, it's an awesome track. Timeless, absolutely timeless. Yeah. Um, Steve Tolton, uh, you talked about the order of songs earlier. Uh, can you ask about the thought process behind having Jan's notebook following November as they are two completely different pieces? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the music in Memory House, um, it's like the pieces talk to one another. Mm -hmm. And November is, I mean, Memory House is this big set of variations, and November is the most kind of sort of heavy metal of all the orchestral music on, you know, in, until you get to the end, which is like even more intense. And it's a real kind of, it's really full on. And the idea was that, that your brain is just sort of pummeled by November. And then Jan's notebook is, is um, it's almost like a kind of, you know, it's a sort of after image, a sort of retinal after image of this other big noise you just heard. And it kind of, everything collapses into this tiny sound, this tiny harpsichord piece, Jan's notebook. So that's the kind of the grammar, um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for your question. We've probably got time for one more if anybody... Oh, here we go. Uh, Alistair, Alistair again. Don't have a mic, but would you mind asking Max about whether he has any plans to do 
purely electronic album off the back of that? And also, does he have a favourite synthesizer? Um, <laughs> purely electronic album. It's. I mean, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I love electronic music, and and all my records are. You know, there, there's a lot of electronics in all of them. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm always just trying to use the tools that feel like they're kind of the right tools for, for whatever project I'm doing. And, and it's completely, yeah, it could happen that something just feels yeah. like it just needs a completely electronic palette. And then favorite synth wise, um, I, I, well, it has to be a Moog. Um, I've got a System 55, which is the sort of, it's like the Stradivarius <laughs> of like synths. It's just, you know, so I've got one of those and um, that's it. You know, when you've got one of those, that's, that's just it. Else, yeah. yeah. Maybe the electronic stuff could be the angry stuff that you wrote and discarded for voices. Because Mark Davidson wanted to know if, you, if we're ever likely to hear it. So maybe that could be the electronic yeah. uh, album. I don't know. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, those, those, those things I'm not using in in whatever project they yeah it's not like they're gone really I mean they just yeah. go into that sort of compost heap of, you know and just they sit there for a while and then some sometimes they see the light of day again yeah hello I'm here uh, right this is the last one from Adam who says please can you read out my question one of my musical discoveries of lockdown has been Scott Walker I believe he oh, is an influence for you too could you talk a little bit about what his work means to you thank you for your wonderful work says Adam. Scott Walker, yeah. I mean, he's he's such an interesting guy. Um, I think the, the my first sort of Scott Walker um, uh, uh, sort of connection really is the fact that uh, the sun ain't going to shine anymore was number one on the day I was born. Oh, so, wow. so that makes me just kind of instantly yeah want to sort of connect to him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the thing about him is he was somebody who really made an artistic journey. You know, he started in one place and then he yeah. just kind of followed his trajectory. Yeah. Wherever it went. And it went to some pretty crazy places, actually. Um, but you really felt like he was somebody who was, he had a great sort of sense of fidelity to his own voice. And I think that's what's so impressive about him. And obviously some beautiful music along the way. Yeah. Um, There's not many artists who would have the the nerve to, or the courage to do, to do that. Do you know what I mean? To, yeah. to really continue to experiment and to push their own creative boundaries, I think as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, guys, thank you so much for your questions and for joining us tonight. Um, Max, always a pleasure to chat to you. Um, Voices is, is brilliant and I can't wait till we, till we get the full visual album as well. Thank you so much. Go and listen to Voices, it's out now, it's beautiful make the world a better place. Max, take care. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.